everyone. Steven Jensen here. Uh, Jesse might be watching. She might be in the chat. Um, but she will hopefully be here. She's obviously got family stuff going on. So it's one of those things where, like, GCW this weekend, there's just so much buzz about the show that it was like, gotta do a show Monday. So y'all are here. I see people in the chat. I already see some Super Chats flowing in. Thank y'all so much. I'm going to address Super Chats first, and then we'll just jump into the show. We'll probably go for, like, an hour or so. I'm going to go through the the uh, results of uh, GCW Homecoming Night 1 and Night 2. And, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of really fun stuff to talk about. So, let me get to the Super Chats first before we get going. Um, okay, so we had Deshaun Turner sent one real early. Thank you, Deshaun, very much, as always. Uh, says, morning, Jesse. How <laughs> I'm going to read this. <laughs> Jesse will see this, don't worry. Um, it says... Morning, Jesse. How are you, beautiful? That Cardona match was a gore fest. I don't know he. I don't know how he survived. Uh, Jericho is dead on Wednesday. Yeah. So the Jericho thing is very interesting, right? Because we got that on Wednesday. I, I think one thing they can kind of do is if Jericho. I I assume Jericho is going to beat uh, Gage on Wednesday, right? On Dynamite during the uh, the labors thing that he's doing. I'm assuming that. When Jericho wins, part of the story is going to be that Nick Gage was so beat up from the Cardona thing that that, like, helped Jericho. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but yeah, we got we got plenty to talk about when it comes to Nick Gage. Um, I had another super chat from Corey. What's up, Corey? As always, good to see you in the chat, man. Um, says, everyone check out OnlyFans.com slash Buckeye. Thank you, Stephen, for all you do. Can't wait to hear back from you. Jesse on OnlyFans, oh, when you have time. So, yes, Corey, thanks as always, man. And Deshaun, I see Mike Jones in the chat. Anyone else who wants to join in, just getting started here. So, as you guys are trickling in, um, this would be a great time to remind you, as Deshaun and Corey have already sent Super Chats. If you want to send those, those are right through uh, through YouTube. If you want to send donations, there's a donation link right down in the description below. Both get your question, comment, statement, whatever read out. I'll answer any questions you guys got. Um, if you have any like predictions for any upcoming shows, if you have any you know thoughts on these shows that we're talking about right now with GCW, or just like the state of independent wrestling in general, um, you know I, I'm happy to hear about all this stuff. If you want me to uh, talk about anything that has to do with the UFC or uh, mixed martial arts in any way, shape, or form, I'm here to do that for y'all. So I'm just kind of getting these tweets out right now so that uh. Everyone who watches knows that we are alive, and uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm still buzzing from this weekend. Like I really am. Um, Mike Jones says thank you, uh, thanks to you and Doug for putting me on to so much great indie talent. Really been expanding my intake lately. I'm very happy to hear that, and part of what makes me so happy to hear that is because I had to push Doug like hard to get back in. Like he was into like indie wrestling back when like you know they were pushing tna real hard him and bill back in like 2007 or whatever and he was watching like ring of honor and like was aware of stuff but more recently like probably the last year or so i've really been telling him over and over i'm like you don't understand like these guys that you don't think are that good when you see them on AEW and stuff or, or nxt or whatever like, you gotta watch him on, like, GCW and the stuff on independentwrestling.tv. And he dove in, and he is 
in now like he is watching everything now which i'm so happy about and i'm happy that me and him can come on shows like you know what we do over on the rvd tito for life channel and uh basically just keep spreading the word about all this incredible indie stuff this is the best time to be a wrestling fan ever we have the most accessibility ever to wrestling we don't have to go out and tape trade on the internet. We don't have to buy DVDs months after these shows air like we used to. Now it's a click of a button, and you can watch pretty much anything, and most of it's live now. So, man, this is just a great, great time. Great time to be a pro wrestling fan. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else uh, to, uh, to talk about before I jump into these results. Um, of course, y'all, thumbs ups in the chats. Very much appreciate those. Um, and anything that you super chat or donate, all of this goes on the Fight Talk podcast feed, my audio form, the next day. So even if people aren't here live to hear your question or, or, or hear your statement or any of that stuff, they'll still hear it on the audio version if they listen to that over the Fight Talk podcast feed. So um, I really want to know what y'all's thoughts on this stuff was. I'm going to keep an eye on the chat, obviously, as it's going, but um, I will make sure to you know, to highlight any super chats or donations, like always, um, Deshaun Turner <coughs> with another super chat says, and thank you very much, Deshaun, uh, killing it, man. Very, very, you're helping the channel out so much. You don't understand. Um, it says Eddie's a B plus player in quotes. No, he's a unintelligent fool. What I think you're referring to is there was the dude who actually works for like, I don't want to, I don't want to say the wrong outlet and, but it's a dude who, like, works within wrestling to some degree on on some at least fairly major platform. And he basically said that Eddie Guerrero is only, I'm paraphrasing here, not verbatim quote, but it was something along the lines of, um, so I think, I think what it was, it was like, like, there was a Twitter, there was like a tweet. And the tweet was like, what's a wrestling hill you're willing to die on? I remember responding myself to this tweet because I said Billy Kidman should have been the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. That's like my thing because I, th I thought Kidman was awesome in like the mid to late 90s. And you just saw all these wrestlers like Jericho, Benoit, Malenko, Saturn, Eddie, you know, all these guys jumping over to the WWF from WCW because they weren't getting pushed. And I was sitting there going like, you got Kidman, like you got this guy right here, like he's going to leave or something. They wound up pushing him right at the end. Like, right as the company was dying. But that was my thing, was like, man, they should have made Kidman the champion. Like, all these other guys were leaving. Like, he could have been your young, like, new kind of thing. Because he was super over. And he wrestled multiple times on a lot of the shows. Like, there's this, there was um, Starcade 98, I believe it was, where um, Kidman opened the show beating Juventud Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. Juventud Guerrero and Rey Mysterio in a triple threat in the first match of the show. The second match, he beats Eddie Guerrero to retain the Cruiserweight Championship. So, like, two matches back-to-back. Hoovy, Mysterio, and Eddie, and Kidman beats all those guys in two really damn good matches. And you're sitting here going, man, this guy could be... This guy could be your next guy. Like, the crowd loved him, the girls loved him, the guys thought he was cool, he was the only guy doing the shooting star press, like, in the United States at that time. Anyways, that was my thing I wrote. This other dude that Deshaun is referring to wrote something along the lines of, Eddie Guerrero is only remembered so fondly because he's dead. Now, I'll say this. In all fairness, sometimes people who die early do get a little bit um, 
romanticized, right? Because and a big part of it is because they die at a point where you're like, oh, damn, we're just never gonna... Like, they could have done so much. Like, and you just assume that, like, it would have just been all uphill from, from that time. But with Eddie... Eddie was legitimately one of the best... Like, if you cover wrestling, you don't think Eddie Guerrero was that good? Like, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? Like, the guy... (laughs) The guy was one of the best in-ring workers maybe ever. Influenced generation after generation after him. Overcame everything, including, like, addiction and, and alcoholism and everything becomes the WWE champion on merit. Like, not just because of one reason or another. Like, he was one of the best workers in the world. He was one of the best talkers in the world. He was one of the most charismatic guys. He was one of the most over guys. Like, to call him a B-plus player is like... It's like, then what's an A-plus? Because if you want to say, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin's an A-plus, for instance, and, and from a perspective of, like, popularity, Absolutely. But if I if it's up to me and it's like you can only watch one guy right now for the best actual in-ring match, Steve Austin or Eddie Guerrero, I'm going to go Eddie 10 out of 10 times if I would just want to see a great in-ring match with like a great story told. This is obviously nothing against Steve Austin and I'm just using it as a comparison because like if you're going to call Eddie Guerrero B+, like I'd rather watch Eddie Guerrero than Steve Austin. And like there's no way you can be covering wrestling and say Steve Austin wasn't an A+. You know what I'm saying? So like... Yeah, I thought it was pretty wild. Um, pretty wild and, and and kind of a weird... I know the question's ironic because it was like, what hill are you willing to die on? Well, that dude was willing to die on that hill um, because the internet killed him. Uh, that was... And one, it's one thing when it's like some like jabroni fan that like doesn't really get it or maybe like is like a real kind of mark for wrestling. It's like if you're covering wrestling and you... Don't think Eddie Guerrero was a was a uh, you know an above A or an above B plus. It's like what what are you watching? Like I want I really I'm curious to know what is an A plus to this guy. You know, I, I don't know. I, it's 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 pretty uh it's pretty mind blowing. Um, Eddie Guerrero or sorry not Eddie Guerrero. Corey Hummel says uh take care Stephen and everyone. Um, Corey, I, I hope you don't have to leave, but if you do, we always appreciate you here, man, very much. I hope you have a great day. Uh, Kai says, Eddie worked well with so many wrestlers so versatile. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, and Kai also said, uh, unrealized potential. Exactly. But the, but the difference with Eddie is that, like, he actually reached his potential. It isn't even a case where you can even make the argument of, like, so-and-so died young, and like we, you know, for instance, and I'm not saying this person's like overrated or something, but like Brian Pillman, for instance, right? Like he died before he really even hit his prime. And part of why, part of why people are so fond of him is because it's like, imagine what he could have accomplished if he was around. You know what I mean? Because he never really had the chance to fully reach his potential. So I can see where people could be like, he was like, he was great, but, like, he never reached, like, this certain level. Eddie Guerrero reached that level. Like, while he was alive, he reached that level. So, like, you can't even make that argument that, like, it was unrealized potential. Like, sure, he probably would have won the WWE title multiple times before he passed away. But, like, he reached the peak. So, like, yeah, it's just, it's just very strange. Um, sorry, I'm gonna get, I got a second screen up here 
to uh to mod the chat here. Deshaun says ninety uh, percent of all Latino wrestlers all say Eddie was their favorite and are influenced by him. Say that shit to Sasha, um, EO, Penta, Ray, and see if they agree with you. Yeah, I mean, there this and not even just Hispanic wrestlers. I mean, there are. Uh, I mean, Sasha's a great example. Sasha says that, like, he's the reason she got into wrestling. And, you know, she's not Hispanic, I, I don't think. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's like, obviously he has a humongous, humongous influence on Hispanic wrestlers. Humongous. He's, he's one of the, like, the first guys to, like, go from the scene in Mexico to, like, also go to Japan to wind up in WCW. Well, first ECW. And that's a big thing that gets that gets kind of missed is, like, Paul Heyman saw the talent in Eddie and brought him over to ECW. And that's when WCW was like, oh, wait, yeah, we got to start paying attention and getting these guys. And that happened with Benoit. That happened with Malenko. Happened with Jericho. All these guys with all this talent went up in ECW first and then went over to WCW um, for more money. And... Or, or to get paid at all, because ECW wasn't so great about always paying their workers either, unfortunately. So... Um, the point is, yes, Eddie was a big, a big bridge there. Cause you also wound up getting guys like Juventud Guerrero and La, La Parca. And of course, Rey Mysterio Jr. And Ultimo Dragon and all these like luchador slash Japanese style wrestlers. And a lot of that was influenced and, and, and even possible because people saw how, how successful Eddie was. So it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where like, I, I mean, definitely an A, whatever the highest grade you can give someone, that's probably where Eddie belongs. Like, I, I, I don't, he checks every box, right? I, I don't know. Like, what I'd like to know is, like, for this dude, like, what boxes are you looking to check in a wrestler and which ones doesn't he check? That would be a good question. You know what I mean? Like, if you broke down every aspect of wrestling, like, charisma, ringability, Mike ability, um, how over they are with the crowd, uh, whatever. You know, you got all these doom, 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 doom. Like, what, what box wouldn't Eddie check? That's, that's whatever, that's what you gotta really think, you know? So, anyways, all that being said, and Mr. Mr. Jacko says, Pillman was hampered by injury before his death, so he may never have reached his full potential anyway, unfortunate, uh, Brian's story. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And basically what Mr. Jacko is saying there is the Pillman situation, like Pillman was on a trajectory before he got hurt to being like one of the biggest stars in wrestling. And then he got hurt, his ankle, and he basically like had to shift the way that he worked because he couldn't do all the same stuff with his injuries anymore. But then he was getting super over with the WWF and then he died. And that's why it's like, uh, he never like he never broke all the way through, but it looked like he it looked like he was probably going to. He he looked like he was still going to wind up being one of the biggest stars in the WWF. Um, but once again, Eddie actually accomplished that. Like Eddie did that. Eddie was there. So like, how could you even make the argument he wasn't an A player? I, that's 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 where I'm at with it. Um, but anyways, y'all. Um, thank you very much for the super chat, Deshaun. Um, and just like Deshaun there, like anytime y'all send a super chat, I will make sure to uh, try to give you my, your money's worth on my thoughts with it. Um, as far as GCW Homecoming, started off with night one. What a hell of a show. They had a 
Um, actually, Deshaun also mentions did oh yes did Owen reach his potential before he died? That's a tough one too because I think Owen had the the Owen had the skill to potentially become the WWF champion one day. I don't know if the company really saw him in the same light they saw Brett though. I just I don't know. That one's a really hard one. But he's another guy where like when you hear stories about him, it always puts him up some pegs because it's like you hear that he was like the nicest guy in the world this dude with his family everybody has good stuff to say about him backstage he obviously contributed in a super positive way to the world of pro wrestling and he's a real big like what if as far as like if he was still alive i still remember the day he died uh may 23rd 1999 because my birthday is on may 22nd and i remember um in 99 the day after my birthday my um my radio used to wake me up in the morning it was like my my alarm clock was my radio in my room and i remember being woke up to the news that owen hart had died the night before because um my family didn't have pay-per-view and stuff so like i couldn't watch the pay-per-views live i always had to find out what happened the next night on raw or nitro and i woke up and there were the people on like the the radio who never talk about wrestling were talking about owen hart dying and i was like I'll just never forget hearing that and being so confused and like barely awake and like really trying to process like what they were really saying. Um, but yes, Owen Hart's another great example of like never fully reached their potential, but he also like he accomplished so much in his career though that like, you know, obviously, obviously deserves all the respect that he gets. Um, all right. So GCW y'all homecoming night one. I, I, this crowd for this show was, this is exactly what you want. This gives you the kind of vibes of like, like prime ECW, just rabid crowd. They were hot the entire night and these matches all delivered. Like this was an awesome show. Shout out to Fight TV. This is where you can watch the show. If you want to watch the shows in full, I highly recommend Fight TV, F-I-T-E TV, um, I think the overall cost was like like 20 bucks or something, 23 bucks or something. And you got uh, part one and part two of this show. Um, One billion percent worth the money, in my opinion. But, you know, we had Marco Stunner versus Starboy Charlie. This was a really good matchup. Marco, this is a great example for people that have only seen Marco in AEW. Like, this guy can work his ass off. I first started watching him in Southern Underground Pro in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And he became so popular, and he was having such good matches there. He won their championship, and he's called the guy, like T H E G U I, the guy in uh, in sub because of like just what he was able to accomplish on the indies pre AEW. And uh, when you see him on AEW, you don't get to see so much of how good he is in the ring. On this show, you got to see that. And for those of you who don't know, his opponent, Starboy Charlie, eighteen years old. And has already been wrestling for a couple years. He is going to be... in. I mean, he already is very, very, very good. But he's going to be insanely good once he hits his prime. Like, probably like five years from now. Um, I really recommend... Uh, he had a match recently with Chris Dickinson. That was really good. I recommend seeking that out. But Marco got the win with... Uh, he basically reversed a powerbomb with the Hurricane Rana to get the pin. Uh, talk, speaking of Rey Mysterio earlier, he used to do something very similar to that. He'd get out of power bombs by flipping back in the Hurricane Ron and hooking the legs. Uh, or he'd do it from the West Coast Pop, same type of thing. Um, Marco Stunt got the win with that in this match. 
I thought it was awesome. And I'm reading y'all's uh, chats, by the way, in like the corner of my eye to, to keep an eye on it. Once again, Super Chats donations will pop up on the screen. I'll make sure to address those. Um, Tony Deppin over Ninja Mac in the next match. If y'all have never seen Ninja Mac, go watch Ninja Mac. This dude popped out of nowhere. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him. I think he's a... I, I'm just speculating. I think he's a stuntman that just like somehow got into wrestling this past year. I don't know what happened, where he came from, but I reached out to him about doing an interview uh, like a month or so ago, and he told me he had to go through his agent to like do bookings and stuff. So usually on an indie level, that's not the case. Usually you're just dealing directly with the wrestler and they just tell you like, yeah, I'll do this or I'll do that or I won't or whatever. Uh, with him, he has an agent, which leads me to believe he probably does stunt work or something. I don't, I really don't know. That's a, an assumption. I'm just speculating. But he moves like a guy who'd be a stuntman. I mean, the, the way the guy could just do flip after flip after flip after flip, you know, springboard, springboard, backflip, front flip, you know, round off, you know, tuck back, whatever. Like the dude, it, the stuff he's doing is, is next level. And the reaction he got from the crowd was one of my favorite moments of the whole show because the I, I love that moment when wrestlers realize how over they are. Like, Ninja Mac comes out for... Oh, at first, Tony Deppin comes out, and he comes out to We Built This City, and the whole crowd's cheering for him. Tony Deppin, obviously one of the best in-ring workers you know in the world right now, a former Ring of Honor TV champion, currently on Ring of Honor with Violence Unlimited group. And Ninja Mac comes out for his match... And it's, like, kind of quiet, like, because his, his music starts off real soft. It's, like, this, uh, like, kind of, like, martial arts sounding, like, it's very hard to describe. It's it's a beat. It isn't, like, a full song with lyrics. It's, like, this, this kind of, like, beat. But it's got kind of, like, undertones of, like, what you'd hear in, like, uh, old martial arts movies and stuff. And Ninja Mac comes out, and he runs out almost like a Naruto run. And like the and he's like slapping hands with all the people down like down the way, and he gets to like right outside the ring, and he's surrounded by fans, and he he like realizes they're all going ninja ninja ninja, and he like as he realizes it's happening, you can see him like kind of like bouncing and looking around, like throws his uh like throws his symbol up, and it's like this dude like I love seeing that because like he literally. Like, he was realizing how over he was in the moment. And it's like, love that. And and that the level of confidence that gives you is just got to be through the roof. And him and Deppin went out and killed it. Uh, the finish of the match was when Ninja Mac went for a 630 Phoenix Splash. You heard me right. A 630 Phoenix Splash off the top rope. Deppin gets out of the way and hits him with a running knee for the win. Awesome match. Awesome match. Can't say enough good things about it. Speaking of awesome matches, AJ Gray and Nolan Edwards. These are two of my favorite guys in the world. Um, AJ Gray reminds me a lot of a guy, like like an old school All Japan pro wrestler. Um, I've been watching him for years as well. He's the current Southern Underground Pro, uh, the current Southern Underground Pro Champion in Nashville right now, AJ Gray. Um, I've been watching him for years, uh, whether it's in uh, Nashville or Chattanooga or St. Louis or... Uh, really anywhere at this point. AJ Gray's all over the place, but I've seen him live a lot of places as well. 
And Nolan Edward is a dude who I know has um, eyes on him at a higher level. Uh, so there's some companies that are taking a real strong look at him. And he's mainly more known in like the deathmatch scene. But as shown in this match, he doesn't necessarily need to do deathmatches. Like his, his in-ring work is awesome. Like this, this match ruled. Uh, this was hard hitting. This was exactly what I wanted. AJ Gray normally can get the win with one clothesline because his clotheslines are just so nasty. But he hits two clotheslines on Nolan, only gets a two count, picks him up in basically an Emerald Frosian and just you know, drops him right on his head for the three. Um, just, I can't say enough good stuff about this either. And the crowd was into it. And speaking of entrances, I talked about Ninja Mac a second ago. Um... AJ Gray's entrance. He comes out to walk a flock of flame, you know, up out of Canada. I can't cuss on here, but I F my money up. Now I can't re up. Like he comes out to that song and the, the fans are all around him, just rapping it with him and bouncing. And it's like, it's such an awesome scene. Like these guys are so over and I, I it, it's, I feel so sorry for people that are like only watching the WWE and like don't understand what's happening outside of outside of that company because for years I've been sitting here going like AJ Gray is as good as anybody on any of these shows like on TV he's just not on TV um, Tony Deppens as good as anyone on these other shows um, and so many others that I'm going to mention here it's like I've been saying this stuff for years about some of these guys and it's like I feel like they're finally starting to get some recon recognition here like. GCW is it, it has a very much of a feel of, of almost you got WWE you got AEW and then you got GCW almost like right underneath like I, I'd make the argument GCW probably has more buzz than Impact Ring of Honor MLW like any of the others right now and it gives you the real WWF versus WCW versus you know ECW almost type uh, type vibe with with the shows and, and just how how great the talent is and how they can mix up what they put on their show. Like, Oh, let's do it. It's the name of the song. Thank you, Mike Jones. Um, which is ironic. Mike Jones I had to, um, but the, the, you get a real variety show out of this. Like part of the show is just straight up great in-ring professional wrestling. Some of it is hard hitting like new Japan or all Japan type, strong style some of it is flippy boy stuff where you're getting just a ton of high flying action some of it is hardcore matches where there's a little bit of blood a little bit of weapons mainly wrestling then they have the ultra violent death matches that i'll get to which are like bloodbaths like like human horror shows so i mean you get you get everything on a show like this sorry y'all just got to check my uh, my phone real quick i'm getting Getting messages about something. Um, okay, yeah, I'll have to. Um, but, but yeah, um, this variety show, man, just so much good stuff. And speaking of that, the next match we had Two Cold Scorpio and Grim Reefer. Man. So when this match was announced, one of the first things I said was, I hope they both smoke some weed during the match. Because that's Grim, Reefer, that's Grim Reefer's thing. Like, he almost always will light up a joint, like, mid-match, like, while he's wrestling. And Two Cold Scorpio is known to be a fan. So, that was a big part of the match. Like, literally doing moves where they have joints 
burning in their mouths and they're they're doing moves to each other. This is a lot of fun. And Two Cold Scorpio can still do all his stuff. Like I can't remember the name of the move. It, it wasn't the tumbleweed, but it, it's it's the one where he does the bat. He does the moonsault, but rotates all the way through into a leg drop. He did that for the win on uh, on Grim Reefer, and Reefer was doing some crazy stuff too. Like both these guys can still really go, and I really. Honestly, I'd love to see Too Cold Scorpio in AEW, even for just a few things, just because he's such a legend and he can still work so well. Um, and after the match was funny, too, because Grim Reefer is knocked out. Like, he's, he's you know, Scorpio beat him, Reefer's knocked out on the mat, and so Scorpio lights up a joint and puts it in Reefer's mouth to, like, revive him. So I, uh, I just thought that was hilarious. Just really well done. After that... We had an ultra-violent championship match. Drew Parker defeats Alex Colon. This match, okay, so there's a journalist, David Bixenspan, been around, like, forever. And I really respect his opinion when it comes to wrestling because he is very much, like, a historian to a degree that, like, most don't reach. Like, he really knows so much more about wrestling. He'll forget more about wrestling than I've ever known. And... He was tweeting during this show that Drew Parker versus Alex Clone might be the best death match he's ever seen on American soil. Now, you have some crazy stuff worldwide, some legendary stuff worldwide, but within the United States, this might be the best death match ever. And, like, I can't really argue. You know, I, I'm not quite the death match connoisseur, but. I do watch a lot of it, like, especially in comparison to the average fan. Like, I watch death matches at this point, you know, multiple times a weekend, whether it's on, you know, a GCW show or something that's running on IWTV, like uh, ICW No Holds Barred or uh, Paradigm Pro will run that kind of stuff sometimes, and, uh, but, or uh, PPW. But regardless, I'm very used to watching death matches at this point. But this was probably the best one I've seen. Um, there was another really good one recently. It was Nick Gage versus Sad Sadika. Um, that happened like a couple weeks ago in Houston, Texas at a show. It was like GCW versus Loco Wrestling. That was another one recently that I thought was one of the best death matches I've seen. But this one right here, Drew Parker, Alex Cologne. Any weapon you can think of pretty much um, it was, was utilized. I mean, obviously blood all over the place. I think the finish was Drew Parker hitting a swanton onto a bundle of light tubes that was on Alex Cologne. I think that's what finally got the job done. But this match was completely insane. And Alex Cologne has won the uh, the Tournament of Death, like, I think two or three times. Like, he's, like, he's fully established as, like, the best ultra-violent wrestler in GCW. Him or Nick Gage, depending on kind of how you look at it. But... Obviously, Nick Gage is the most over of, of anyone on the show. But Alice Cologne is has really established himself as, like, that guy in the deathmatch scene. So for Drew Parker to come in, who I didn't know much about, to be honest. Like, I had heard his name, but I'd never actually seen him wrestle. And I feel like this guy is completely unbeatable. Like, especially because we'll talk about him on night two as well. But this match was completely insane. Completely insane. And like I said, probably the best, I mean... Probably the death, best deathmatch that I've ever seen. And according to people who know more than me about this stuff, it sounds like it might be one of the best deathmatches ever in the United States. So if you're into this type of wrestling, that's the match for you right there. As well as the main event, which we'll get to in a second. And of course, just a reminder, Super Chat donations, 
I'll make sure to, that goes up on the screen and I'll make sure to uh, to address those for you. I, I don't want to feel like I'm ignoring y'all in the chat. I, I am seeing the input. I just can't deep dive on everything or else I'll be here for, for hours. Um, but I will be, I'll be here for hours if we're getting super chats for it, of course. Um, after that, we had a scramble match. Atticus Kogar defeats Jordan Oliver, Braden Lee, Dante Leon, Jack Hartwheel, and Shane Mercer. So much talent in this one. Atticus Kogar, um, he is basically Ricky Shane Page's right-hand man in 4-4-0. And Atticus is like, he's like the slimiest, dirtiest, just most despicable heel in the company. Him and RSP both. I mean, the whole 4-4-0 stable is very grimy, but like the Atticus is like, you got like RSP is like the most hated guy in the show. Atticus is like right there. And, or, or Cardona as well now, but once again, we'll get to that. But Atticus winds up getting this win after Jordan Oliver hits the clout cutter on, I th- he either hit it on, um, I think he might have hit it on Shane Mercer. I can't remember, maybe Braden Lee. I can't remember who he actually hit the move on, but it was shortly after Atticus got his bundle of um, green meat skewers that he uses in like every match, and he popped them pop, 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 into a, uh, into Shane Mercer's head, you know, so they're like hanging out his head, and um, and then uh, I just remember after that Jordan Oliver hitting a clout cutter on someone, and then Atticus low blows Jordan and just steals the pin. Uh, but other people in this match, like Braden Lee, straight brazy, great young high flyers, got a great look, got a super bright future, a ton of potential in Braden Lee. Same thing could be said about about uh, Dante Leone, uh, just innovative high flyer that's getting a lot of bookings in GCW. So like, I think Dante Leon is going to be a pretty big deal and already is really making waves for himself. Jack Hartwheel was really riding a lot of momentum. And then he had a match with Ninja Mac um, at that GCW versus Loco show that just wasn't good. And I think he's still kind of trying to rebuild his, uh, his confidence a little bit from that, but he had a good showing in this match and he had a really good showing the next night against Jordan Oliver, which I'll talk about. And then, uh, you know, you got Shane Mercer, who's just an athletic and physical specimen, just a freak of nature in the best way possible. I would highly recommend watching Shane Mercer versus Brian Cage. That happened just like a few weeks ago. And it's a real, like, one of the, like the Spider-Man and Spider-Man meme type thing where like both guys are just super powerful, super athletic, just next level, uh, talents that are just present something totally different in the world of wrestling. The way that Shane Mercer can literally do flips while holding people is like insane to me. Um, so, and Mercer was also on the next show that I'll talk about. He teams with KTB as a group called iron or a team called iron beast as well. And I've seen them do stuff before in matches where like they'll both get like on the top turnbuckles like different turnbuckles. I think like you'll see like Mercer with a DVD and maybe, you know, um, uh, KTB with like a power bomb and they'll literally do coast to coast. Like they'll jump from one turnbuckle all the way to another turnbuckle while holding someone and like put them through tables in different corners and stuff like just unreal type stuff, but awesome, awesome scramble match. And, Atticus Kogar winning is the right call. Like he's been built very well in GCW. Um, and I'll, once again, we'll talk about him more on the next show. 
After that, we have the GCW Championship match. The second gear crew, the team of Matthew Justice and Mance Warner, defeated Jimmy Lloyd and G. Raver to become the new tag team champions. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the second gear crew is a, is a group in GCW. It's Matthew Justice, Mance Warner, Effie, AJ Gray, uh, Ali Catch. Uh, am I missing anybody? I might be, um, uh, Manders is in there, but he wasn't on either of these shows. I don't know where Manders has been. I feel like he hasn't been around as much lately as he, as he was, uh, the past couple years. Um, but, uh, but yeah, second year crew, two of the members right here, Justice and Warner, get the win. Um, their entrance is like, once again, one of the best. They come out to walk by Pantera, which is a throwback that was Rob Van Dam's theme music in ECW. And the crowd, you know, does it with them, you know, respect, walk. It, it's just a great, it's a great visual. It's a great atmosphere. Just love everything about it. And shame on the WWE. Like, the, for those of you who don't know, WWE had Matthew Justice under contract like 10 years ago and just had him sitting in FCW and just like released him after like half a year. And like, I mean, the guy is so damn good. And he's been doing stuff on AEW Dark lately. Like, I really think, this is just speculation, but I really think um, most of, if not all of the second gear crew will eventually sign to AEW, I think. I really do. I think Matthew Justice already has a damn good shot, considering he's been on Dark. I think Mance Warner has been... Something's up with that. Um, and I, and, and what, not... Not because of his talent or him on a personal level or anything. I think, so, though, without getting too into it, I know Mance Warner was under contract to MLW a couple years ago, and he was, like, their champion and, like, their main guy. And something happened there to where he got out of his contract or at least stopped appearing for MLW. And I don't know if that has anything to do with, like, a holdup of him working other places at the moment. I'm not sure. But Mance Warner is, like... He's a great character. He's great in the ring. Like he's something totally different. He's like this throwback wrestler, but he wrestles, but he but he he works really well in 2021. So I'm a huge fan of Justice Ann Warner. And then this match really for Jimmy Lloyd and G Raver was more about progressing their story because they're mortal enemies. Uh, for people who don't know, Jimmy Lloyd and G Raver over the last couple of years have literally done some of the most just gruesome, disgusting stuff to one another. And they won the tag team titles, like the show before this, as like, they're basically like frenemies, right? It's like, they're, they hate each other, but like they had the common goal of like being the champions together. And they basically like accidentally won the titles together. And then they lost them to second gear crew, which I am completely fine with. Mike Jones mentioned in the chat, there was a spot during this match where, uh... They pull Mance Warner's tongue out, like, not fully out of his mouth, but, you know, they pull it, they pull it in his, he's, you know, up against the table, and they staple his tongue, you know, into the table, and he, like, can't get it out, and so, it, that is just, it's real nasty. Jimmy Lloyd is disgusting. Like, I'm going to talk about him more for the second show, because him and Drew Parker had a match that was, like, like, not for the weak of stomach at all. Um, but yeah, this match was awesome. I, I, I can't say enough good things about SGC and, um, they're going to be a big part of the future plans for GCW based on the end of the second show that we'll talk about. 
Um, after that, we had Effie versus frontman Jossie. For those of you who don't know Effie, it's really, really impressive how he's been able to carve this this space for himself in wrestling. Like, I've heard him in interviews where he literally talks about how like he has no intention of ever working for WWE or AEW and or anything. He's making a great living for himself on the independence. He has a, a successful Twitch channel. He has successful merchandise. Um, I, I think it's really cool the guy can like be out there and really represent and be himself and not have to like compromise any of that, but still be super successful in the world of wrestling. And he's a damn good in-ring worker. Like, it isn't all character-based reasons why he's over. Like, he's really good in the ring. And frontman Jossie, really talented as well. I've been seeing him pop up on the indies as well, kind of all over the place. And this was a different type of match than what you got for the rest of the show, but entertaining nonetheless. Like, big fan of Effie. He's one of the most over guys in the on the whole show. Like, GCW... If I had to pick, like, the five most over guys with the fans, Effie might be in that list of five. And, you know, he has the the link to Second Gear crew, and him and uh, Alley Cat are a tag team and all that stuff. So, huge shout-out to Effie. I'm, I'm a real big fan. I'm trying to remember what he won with during the match. Um, I can't remember what the finish was, but I do remember Effie winning. Um, and I remember it being really solid. But it, it also, it was kind of like the in-between. It was almost like the buffer match between... Um, you know, them having to clear the ring out for, you know, what happened in the, in the tag team match, excuse me, the tag team match, and then also, like, getting everything, excuse me, geez, I feel like I got, like, the hiccups, like, uh, getting everything else ready, you know, for the main event. Not that this match didn't matter, like, this match was, was very, very good, but it was, like, almost like an impromptu type match. Um, but I, the fact that they got FD onto the show, always a fan of that. And then the main event, Matt Cardona. Oh, what's up, Brandon? Welcome to the chat, man. I'm going to get into night two in here in just a second. Um, Brandon says that he enjoyed the shows this weekend. Me too, man. A huge, huge fan of what they were doing this weekend. The main event of the show, night one, we had GCW World Champion Matt Cardona defeating Nick Gage for the GCW World Championship. I can't believe that Matt Cardona is actually the GCW champion. Um, obviously, going into this match, you know, the entrances and all, Nick Gage comes out. He's so over that he can't even get to the ring. Like, I mean, the fans are just on top of him. And it's really, it is the it is the best entrance in all of wrestling, in my opinion. Um, I, 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 I feel like that's kind of un unquestionable like nobody gets that kind of response but him when their music hits and cardona was the exact opposite and i love the visual with that like he comes out and he has security with him and the security is basically pushing people like parting people aside so cardona can squeeze through to get to the ring and it's like this this scene where you almost feel like he's gonna get attacked like the only situation i remember similar to this and and this was on such a different level this show but it was it was kind of like the the john cena going into ecw one night stand against rob van dam with like the if cena wins we riot poster and all that stuff um like a real outsider in the village right like i mean just a guy who the fans did not want there and 
So you had just the two dynamics. You had MLJ on on the call in the ring, uh, doing the ring announcing, who, in my opinion, is the best ring announcer in, in all of professional wrestling. I think Emil's awesome. And, you know, his his thing for Matt Cardona is, like, very, like, screw this guy. And then he, you know, goes all out for the Nick Gage entrance, and the, the, the crowd is just eating it up. I mean, they are, at this point, they are just bloodthirsty and ready to see Matt Cardona get carved up. I mean, that's basically... Basically, the, the mentality of what's going on in this match. And they, I thought it was genius. Outside the ring, they had a detolf, which for you know non-collectors, basically they're like the, the glass shelves that you display action figures in. And they had one of those filled with action figures right outside of the ring because Matt Cardona is really well known for you know figure collecting. And man, this was just so good. And Cardona went all the way. All the way, like he took everything. He took the pizza cutter to the dome. He took all the glass. He took the the light tubes. He took everything. Um, this was unreal, and I've said it a thousand times, but I'll say it again for people who may not have heard me say it. When Matt Cardona left the WWE, it was very underwhelming because he would show up in AEW and an Impact. And it was like we were just seeing the same Zack Ryder, just like this WWE product, but just on other shows. Nothing was really different about him than what we had seen year after year for over a decade in the WWE. I was saying going into this match, the best way to reinvent yourself and to get fans to think of you in a completely different way is to have a death match with Nick Gage and to actually go all the way with it. Because there was also the possibility that Cardona would have just like signed on to do the match and then been like, all right, like I'm not doing any of that stuff though. We're just having a straight up one on one match. If you bring that pizza cutter anywhere near me, I'm leaving. Like he, Cardona has the kind of clout and the and the kind of money in the bank, not not WWE money in the bank, but he has enough money saved, of course, you know, to where like he doesn't really have to do these things. But the fact that he went all the way with this, I have—I already had a ton of respect for Matt Cardona. Um, I literally have a signed eight by ten of Cardona on my desk right now behind this camera. Like I am a huge what, what they call a major mark. I—I I got really back into um, action figure collecting once I saw how big they were into it. Like I, I was into it as a kid, and then I got back into it as an adult, uh, mainly because of Cardona and Myers and their YouTube channel. So I'm a huge fan of of Broski. But I did not expect him to have that violent of a match. And I definitely did not expect him to win the championship. Um, basically, the finish of the match was 4-4-0 comes out without RSP. And they're... Well, let me rewind a little bit more. At one point in the match, Nick Gage hits his choke breaker, which is his finisher. A choke slam onto his knee. And he um, he's he covers Cardona. And presumably, that's the end of the match. And Chris Jericho's Fozzie music hits. And I'm at home, standing up. I'm already standing, you know, throughout this whole thing. Pretty much this whole show, I'm standing up. Because, like, I just, I'm, like, pacing around. Because it's like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Like, this whole show. Like, I'm like, this is, I mean, I can believe it because I've, I've watched this stuff. But, like, this show was so damn good. And it's like, I was, I, I just had all this energy. Because a lot of it was the crowd, right? And... Nick Gage, you know, has the win and Jericho's music hits 
And I'm saying, I'm literally out loud yelling, like, there's no way. Like, there's no way Chris Jericho's at this. There is no way. And he wasn't, but some guy, like, ran in in a hood. I can't remember who it was. Came in, caused a diversion. But then we get to the end of the match. Nick Gage has it won again. And 440 comes out without RSP. They're going to attack Gage. RSP comes out to help Nick Gage. So Gage and, and RSP are finally like aligned after basically two full years of being at each other's throats. And RSP, for those of you who don't know kind of the lore of, of and the story of all this, Nick Gage was the Game Changer Wrestling Champion. This is like around two years or so already now. He was the champion. Uh, RSP interfered during a match between Nick Gage and AJ Gray. AJ Gray wound up winning the title from Nick Gage. And then in a very similar moment to like the Tommy Dreamer, Just Incredible thing in ECW, RSP came out and and uh, he challenged AJ Gray right away for the title. So AJ won the title and lost it on the same night to RSP. And then for the next like year and a half, RSP wouldn't give Nick Gage any title matches and, and everything. And it finally culminated at spring break this year when Gage defeated RSP to win the title back. So there's this long history of RSP, 440, and uh, Nick Gage. And so it finally looks like Nick Gage and, and RSP are on the same page, just based on like the mutual respect. And they both fight off um, 440, get him out of the ring. And Cardona is sitting in the corner in the turnbuckle, and he's got a light tube bundle on top of him. And he's set up perfect for Nick Gage to hit a face wash, just come by and just boot him right in the head. And... Right before he can run off the ropes to, to hit the, the face wash, RSP kicks him in the balls from behind. Like, the most cowardly move, not even in front of the dude, from behind just kicks him under in between his legs. Nick Gage falls over. Cardona grabs a bundle of light tubes, bashes him over Gage's head, grabs another bundle of light tubes, bashes him over his head again, and then hits his rough rider, whatever he calls the move now, um, which is the... Uh, basically the jumping leg drop and pins Nick Gage one, two, three. And the way the crowd responds, they just start, this was like, this was like the NWO response, but like, obviously there was way more people for the bash of the beach 96, like in the, in the arena, but there was more garbage thrown at this thing than I've ever seen ever in wrestling. Like, it, it is a scene. I, I highly, highly, highly recommend anybody who might have missed this show, and even if you don't have any interest in watching these matches, watch just Cardona 1, 2, 3, and the immediate way that he is just pelted from all angles with bottles and trash and cups and just beer flying all over the place. I've never seen anything like that. And... I saw, you know, Dave Meltzer put out a tweet that a lot of people seem to think is controversial, basically saying, like, this isn't good for wrestling. Like, fans shouldn't act like this. Look, I, I get I get the, the safety issue, right? I fully get that. You don't want to go to shows, and every time you go, that, like, you're worried that, like, some dude's just going to, like, hit you in the back of the head with a full beer bottle or something. Like, obviously. But in this particular instance, let me put it this way. I think 
that 99.9% of wrestlers that are currently out there right now would die to get one reaction like that. Like, I'm dead serious. You know, just to have so much heat and to get fans so invested in what you're doing that they literally have like an actual kind of like riot be over a, a predetermined fake show. They're this invested and they're willing to pelt you with garbage just because the guy they didn't, the guy that they wanted to win didn't win. Like, that's. Once again, that's the, the type of heat that you're just not going to see other places. And granted, should they be like attacking wrestlers? No. But you also got to think of it like this. Like if we're being totally fair about it, Matt Cardona and Nick Gage had just gone through light tubes and glass plates and hit each other, cut each other with pizza cutters and, and all this stuff. I don't think they're that concerned about getting hit with an empty cup. You know what I mean? Like, I think the damage had already been done, pretty much. And, like, that was just the icing on the cake. Nobody got hurt. It wasn't like people came up to Cardona after the match with, like, weapons and were, like, trying to, like, you know, shank the dude or something, like, as he's leaving the venue. Like, it was all in-the-ring type stuff. It was... Of course, the fans were vocal and, and everything, after, you know, outside the ring. But, like, once again, this is just an example of a level of heat that I think most wrestlers would die for. So I'm, I I love seeing this. I thought this was absolutely incredible. I'm gonna get to some of these uh, these chats here just to keep an eye on the uh, the chat, and then I'll go into night two. Once again, super chats and donations, y'all. Super chats you can do right through YouTube. Donation links are in the description below this video. Any anything that you send is gonna get put up on the screen. And I will make sure to deep dive on any questions you've got. I will read any statements you got. This will go on the audio feed for the Fight Talk podcast tomorrow as well. So all the audio listeners will also hear. And uh, please make sure to give us a thumbs up on this video. Um, let's see. Mr. Jacko says, ECW didn't have the balls to put the belt on King, though. GCW had the balls to put it on Cardona. And they knew it may have incited a riot. So much heat. Incredible. Yeah, and I was actually saying that. Not that I'm alone. Everyone... Anyone who knows could have seen this coming, but um, on the most recent episode of Live Rounds that I did with Doug on the RVD Tito for Life channel, um, he brought up the, the prospect of this. He was like, what if Cardona wins the title? And I was like, hey, I don't know about that. But I was like, but if he does, there's probably going to be an actual riot in the building. And that's that's what happened pretty much. I mean, they didn't tear the building down, but I've never seen a response like that where there was that much trash thrown in. Um, Mr. Jacko says, is white hot heat now known as Cardona heat? Has it evolved from X-Pac heat? So there's a big difference between those things, Mr. Jacko, and I'm glad you brought this up. So a couple things. First of all, I hate the term X-Pac heat because I don't think it's fair to Sean Waltman. I don't think that, I think X-Pac slash Six-Pac slash Sean Waltman, whatever name you want to call him, he was really good, especially for a guy his size. Like, he'd be, like, a pretty big-sized wrestler nowadays, but back in those times, he was, like, a very small guy in comparison. The, the, the game has just changed a lot since then. But I never thought that X-Pac, I actually always liked X-Pac. 
Like, I didn't understand why he was the one getting this term thrown on him when there are way worse wrestlers, way worse wrestlers that make me actually want to not watch the show. X-Pac never made me not want to watch the show. But but I understand what you're asking, Mr. Jacko, because it is, that is the term. So, um, there is a difference. The heat that Cardona has is the exact kind of heat you want. It's the kind of heat where they're they're not going to lose any fans. They'll actually gain fans out of this because of all the buzz it's created. And it's it's the aspect now, it's almost like the Floyd Mayweather type thing where now people are going to be tuning in to see Cardona lose the title and see him get bloody and busted up and like get what he get the payback he deserves, so to speak. So it would be X-Pac heat if like he won this title and then the next GCW show, no fans showed up, the buy rate was way down and all that stuff. That would be X-Pac heat. That would mean people to stop watching the show. Um, I would argue that the entire WWE Raw brand has X-Pac heat. You know what I mean? Because people just aren't watching the show. You can pick and choose specific reasons for that. but um, So that that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, throwback. What's up, Throwback? Welcome to the chat, dude. Always good to see you, buddy. Says, listening in, how's you guys doing today? Can't wait for this week to find out how Fight for the Fallen happens. The way Anakin and Sloan talked about it has me extremely curious. Dude, yeah, Fight for the Fallen is going to rule. I mean, obvi- I don't even know the full card off the top of my head, but I know we're getting Jericho. That's the Jericho and Malachi Black match, right? So you get that. We're going to get Eddie King. Or sorry, um, uh, John Moxley versus uh, Nick Gage. And it'll probably be pretty violent. Like, I think Jericho's going to bleed out there and kind of prove that he's willing to do some of this stuff also. Because we're living in a world right now of wrestling. It's wide open. It is wide open. There is not one match outside of the WWE that can't happen right now, which is an unreal thing to think. It's totally possible that Chris Jericho could be sitting there going, you know what? I'm getting a little bit stale again. I'm the king of reinventing myself. Maybe I maybe I jump into GCW for a couple matches. Like I'll do an ultraviolet death match against some guys. Like why not? Look what it just did for Matt Cardona in his career. Matt Cardona has more buzz about him right now than he has since he was the Intercontinental Champion in the WWE for one night. You know it, it it's unreal. Um, Kai says Cody versus Black. Did I not say that? That's what I meant to say if I didn't. But uh, Cody versus Malachi Black. Um, and that's another, that's a whole fun story in itself because they got the very clear lines drawn where Cody, the baby face in white versus Malachi, the heel in black. But I've been saying it, AEW is playing 40 chess with us. Cody is actually the heel. Like the way that Malachi did that promo the other week. And he's like, Cody, when I kicked you an arm in the head, they all cheered. You know, like that, and that's the truth. They did. Like the fans cheered. The fans are going to be cheering for uh, Black over Cody, I think. And I think it's going to force Cody to pivot a little bit, which I think has been the trajectory of his character for a while. I think he's been planting seeds for a while now, like eventually a full on heel turn, or at the very least, kind of more of a tweener type role. But, um, but yeah, I can't wait. A fight for the Fallen is going to rule. Um, let's see. Uh, 
No, Kai Jericho is facing um, Jericho is facing Nick Gage on Fight for the Fallen. Uh, Jacko says, "I'll give you one match that won't happen outside WWE: Cole Cabana versus CM Punk." Well, the interesting thing about that, Jacko, is the story that I really want to see the most in AEW. I don't know if it happens right away because part of this you have to consider. You know, if CM Punk comes into the company, he's going to get massive babyface reactions. You know right off the bat, like the pop's going to be huge, but I think you should turn him heel sooner than later because the, the buzz will die down. And I think there's going to be a level of him getting exposed that fans might not expect because in the last seven or eight years or whatever, since punk left, the game has changed. And like, there are way better in ring workers than him. There are people that are, you know, we haven't heard punk on the microphone in a minute, but there are people that are pretty much on Punk's level when it comes to the microphone. He's going to have to have just really interesting stories. Brian Danielson's a different thing because he's still, like, top of the game, peak, in-ring wrestler. So, like, he's going to mix it up well with anybody. But CM Punk, there's a lot of unknowns there. And I think the biggest money they can draw is CM Punk as a heel versus Hangman Page as a babyface because you have CM Punk as the straight-edge dude who... Walked away from wrestling a decade ago. Doesn't even like wrestling anymore, but just got offered so much money that he couldn't say no this time. That's how I would how I would you know portray it on TV, and uh, and basically, but the, the reason I bring that up is because with Hangman Page being associated with Dark Order, Cold Cabana's in Dark Order, so there's a whole other layer to Hangman versus uh, Punk potentially because Cabana could either be super you know, against CM Punk because of the stuff they've had to deal with in court and whatnot, or he turns on the Dark Order and Hangman and joins back with CM Punk, which we get some pretty nuclear heat. So, a lot of options there. Um, Throwback says it could be a serious, it could be serious that uh, Cardona, Punk, and Danielson could be a faction down the line. Potentially. And that's why, like, if you're like Samoa Joe, like, I'm sorry, bro, but like, like I, him re-signing and heading to NXT, I think was the dumbest thing he could have done. Like I, I, I get that financially speaking, maybe it was a great move for him and his family and stuff. I'm not going to knock that at all. Do what you got to do. But like, if he would not have went back, we could have potentially had Samoa Joe, CM Punk, and Brian Danielson all coming to AEW at the same time, and that would have been one hell of a faction right there. Like that's basically the equivalent. I know different times and stuff comparisons are kind of weird to make sometimes, but that's basically your NWO. Like that's your third, your third man. That's your your three guys coming from one show to the other show, and that would like I don't. I don't think AEW is so much in a position where they're, like, competing with WWE, right? Because, like, WWE is just this... It's it's not even a pro wrestling company anymore. It's just this entertainment conglomerate, right? It's 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 above... I say above. It, it's, it's its own thing. It's not pro wrestling anymore. AEW is the best pro wrestling company in the world, in my opinion. And if they just keep doing what they're doing, they're just going to keep growing their audience. And it isn't so much about taking out WWE. It's about being the best pro wrestling company, not the best, biggest entertainment conglomerate. You know, obviously there's a lot of crossover there and WWE is the most well-known wrestling brand, but ask them yourselves. Like WWE doesn't want to even say the word wrestling on their shows. 
They the AEW embraces professional wrestling. WWE tries to turn pro wrestlers into bad actors, and then and then basically like lets them wrestle sometimes for a few minutes on TV. Like it's it's also backwards. Um, so, anyways, and Cardona, Punk, and Danielson—that'd be cool too. But the effectiveness if if, if Samoa Joe would have come over, and what I what's so sad about the Samoa Joe thing is I I bet you a big part of him coming back was them going, all right, Joe, we let you go. They probably brought him back for even less money, which is like, that would suck, but that's probably the case. They probably gave him less to come back. And they probably said, look, we're going to make this so worth it for you. Like, I know other companies are interested, but you're going to be the one to beat Karrion Cross. You're going to get that NXT championship. We're going to clear you to wrestle, and you're going to be the face of NXT again. And he was probably like, okay, that all sounds good. Like, I'm in to do that. And then they had Karrion Cross go out on Raw and lose to Jeff Hardy in two minutes, which has made it to where who cares if he beats Karrion Cross now? Who cares about NXT at all? I hate to say it. I got an NXT replica championship belt sitting in my office. Like, up until, basically up until AEW existed, I loved NXT. But that show just doesn't matter anymore, y'all. If, if you're if you're sitting there every Wednesday like, oh yeah, I can't wait for, for this episode of NXT. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, they, the WWE has made it crystal clear that NXT doesn't matter. Crystal clear. And that's a whole other a whole other podcast in itself. But like, they, that thing is such a mess. Like, so here's the thing. So Samoa Joe beats Karrion Cross. Then what? So now you got Samoa Joe, who, who knows how how often he'll be able to wrestle. You have him as the champion beating a guy who just lost to Jeff Hardy on Raw in two minutes. He's already been that NXT champion. He's been there, done that. He, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out on Raw and SmackDown and all that stuff. So you're going to be, so we're going to have an NXT where it's Samoa Joe and then all these other guys who are just in NXT purgatory. These guys who are stuck, like Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano. I mean, you could name a lot of them. And they're in this this purgatory position because they can't if they go to raw or smackdown their careers are over like just look at a guy like ricochet like if you don't know what to do with that dude like good luck with any of these guys you know what i mean and that's there's nothing against them adam cole and kyle o'reilly are like my two favorite wrestlers in the wwe but they've done everything there is to do in nxt it's been years now but if they showed up on raw or smackdown they're just gonna get jobbed out like they jobbed Walter out in like two minutes in that Survivor Series match. Like Walter, this completely unbeatable guy in, in NXT UK. Just I think he got pinned by Strowman in like a couple minutes in their Survivor Series match or whatever a couple years ago. Like so, and and I've said this before too. The Performance Center doesn't work. It does not actually develop new talent. All they're doing is taking the best indie people they can sign and putting them on NXT and trying to create a super indie. The problem now, though, is that AEW does that a lot better than they do. So there's no incentive. And then also the people who go to NXT know if they wind up on Raw or SmackDown, they're probably going to just wind up being jobbers. 
and then they're going to get they're going to become miserable and then they're going to want out of their contracts and then their market value is going to go down significantly by the time they can sign somewhere else so so guys like Darby Allen Jungle Boy Sammy Guevara MJF um the list goes on and on in, in AEW where all these guys that would have been your crops of signings to go to NXT, but they're not going there now. They're going to AEW. You have actual opportunity at AEW. Instead of getting locked away in a performance center and nobody sees you, you go on AEW Dark, the crowd will decide, the same fans that watch Dynamite on the same night, that same that same show there, those exact same fans that watch Dynamite will also watch you on, on Dark, and they'll decide if they like you or not. And you can see guys like Wheeler Yuta as perfect examples. Solid matches on AEW Dark, and now he's on Dynamite. Like, if he, Wheeler Yuta, for those of you who don't know, he did a trial with the WWE last year. If he would have signed with that company last year, who knows what happens to him. He's probably sitting in the Performance Center right now, and they're probably renaming him something weird and giving him two-minute matches on 205 Live. Now he's on national television in front of millions of fans on TNT and gets to keep his name, gets to keep doing indies. He's the current independent wrestling.tv champion, by the way. So if you're still, I'm not sitting here going like, don't watch NXT. If you like NXT, go for it. But I feel like anyone watching NXT is just wasting their time. Basically, if you watch NXT, you're basically just, you're watching the final, basically the last good moments of your favorite wrestlers who work there. And then uh, hopefully they can get their lives back after their WWE contracts run up and they can sign somewhere else. Um, it's it's very sad. And once again, the Performance Center doesn't develop anybody. They, the actual PC, like they've had hundreds of people go through there, if not thousands. And there's maybe five or so people that were like not wrestlers that went to the PC that became solid enough that they're like good on the shows. Everyone else is just signed from other places. These are wrestlers that were already good. That WWE's just signing and then trying to make it seem like, oh yeah, we put him in the Performance Center and we had him doing uh, four roles for a few weeks and then we taught him how to wrestle. It's like, no, that's not... AEW is the perfect example. Look at people like Tay Conti. Like, she sucked in the WWE. Sucked. She's awesome in AEW. What, what changed? She had all the resources in the world. WWE PC. Sucked. AEW. A thousand times better. What changed? You know, it's like, it's it's mind-blowing to me. Um, Bill's Mafia says, yep, instead of five years in the PC, you can be a top prospect like Lee Johnson or Dante Martin and on TV now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Mr. Jacko says, WWE is a parody of pro wrestling. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's an entertainment conglomerate, like I said. And Vince McMahon is even on record over the years as saying he he doesn't want to be in the wrestling business. He wants to be in the entertainment business. Like, he's... It's a whole different thing. But anyways, y'all, let's move over to part two. Um, well, and also, yeah, Bill's Mafia mentions Conti. Um, yeah, right, but she just improved so much. Look at Deanna Perrazzo, and that's a different scenario. Deanna Perrazzo was already this good, and WWE had her and didn't know what to do. Just didn't know what to do. Just like, oh yeah, we got this girl, super talented, uh, but, man, I don't know. And then she goes to AEW, or sorry, goes to Impact Wrestling, and she's 
one of the best wrestlers on the whole brand, male or female, you know, gender, you know, doesn't matter there. She's legitimately like one of the best champions in wrestling right now. Like she's been the champion for like a year, having great matches, show after show, but WWE had no clue what to do. It's like, how, how do you not, but you're, and I'm not going to name names, but like, then you're pushing certain people on the show that like can't wrestle. It's like, what? Um, Okay. So one more time, this last time I'll bring it up, Super Chats donations, I gotta lock in here, go through the show, but if you send something through Super Chat or donation in the donation link, it'll pop up on the screen, and I will make sure to pivot and say whatever you want me to say, or answer any of your questions. Um, so yeah, GCW Part 2, let me take a little swig of my seltzer water here, get into this. Thank you all so much for being here today, by the way. I know it's me on Jesse's channel, and she's not here, but um, I appreciate you all sticking around and hanging out with me. All right, so GCW Homecoming Part 2. This happened yesterday on Fight TV, F-I-T-E TV. We had Jordan Oliver over Jack Cartwheel in the opener. Really good stuff. Um... I've, I talked about Jordan a bit already, but if you want to see more of him, highly recommend MLW. He's in Injustice, him and Myron Reed. Uh, really, really great tag team, but also great singles workers. And the thing that's so cool about Oliver is, like, he's been around a minute, but he's still really young. And he's still, like, kind of growing into his body, if that makes sense. So, he, and, but he's he's a bigger guy than what people realize also. Like, he's taller than than you would think based on how he wrestles. Kind of similar to like an Alex Zane type guy, or now known as um, Ari Sterling on 205 Live. You know, the way he wrestles, you'd think he was kind of a smaller guy, but he actually is a pretty big dude. And then Jack Cartwheel, who I mentioned before, this was solid. I believe the finish was Jordan Oliver with a clout cutter on his cartwheel, but really, really good match. Jordan Oliver is really, really climbing the ranks right now on the indies. And he does a lot of cool homages also. Like he does stuff in, in like remembrance of Trent Acid and that kind of stuff. So and he won the Acid Cup this year, uh, the tournament as well, over WrestleMania weekend. So I'm a big fan of Jordan Oliver. And one thing I uh one thing I always hear about him, because I have some friends that are like really close to Jordan, and they tell me that all he does is if he isn't wrestling, he's watching wrestling. It doesn't matter what era it is. It doesn't matter what company it is. Like, you could be like, yo, Jordan, like, you know, what's your favorite thing that happened in TNA wrestling in 2003? And he'll, like, he'll have plenty to say about it. You know what I mean? Just a, a real student of the game of professional wrestling. And he's been tearing it up. Highly recommend watching Jordan Oliver versus Davey Richards. It happened just a few weeks ago. I can't remember what company it happened for. It might have been Violence X Suffering. I can't remember, but look it up. Um, but it, yeah, it was Jordan Oliver and uh, Davey Richards. That match was awesome. And then also Jordan Oliver and Tony Depp had, had like a two-hour Ironman match over WrestleMania weekend, if you want to watch that too. Just next-level stuff. Speaking of next-level stuff, Jonathan Gresham over Starboy Charlie. I talked about Starboy from Part 1, but Jonathan Gresham, the current Ring of Honor pure champion, one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, in my opinion, just just awesome at what he does and a guy who like I'm glad to see finally getting the recognition because he's another one of those dudes who was like floating around the indies for a while but for whatever reason just wasn't 
getting picked up on like a mainstream level. Part of it's probably his height. Um, part of it's probably the way that he wrestles because like you have to have, and you shouldn't, I shouldn't say this. You don't have to have other wrestlers like him on your roster, but he, he the pure division of ring of honor is like perfect for him because you have guys like hot sauce tracy williams and fred yay high and you know wheeler yuda when he was popping in there and stuff where he has all these great technical wrestlers to work with and against whereas in like the wb for instance you would just probably either see him on 205 live or if he showed up on any of the main shows he'd probably just get jobbed out to some guy way bigger than him or something so Seeing Gresham do his thing in Ring of Honor, I think, is amazing. I think he would be a perfect fit for AEW. Perfect fit. I think his time for that will come eventually. But for the time being right now, killing it in Ring of Honor. Probably my favorite thing about Ring of Honor is Jonathan Gresham. And it's awesome to see he can still work the indies and pop up on shows like GCW. Um, Bill's Mafia says Gresham versus Danielson has to happen somewhere. A billion percent. If Danielson's actually a free agent and he's actually gonna go to AEW and he's gonna you know work indies and stuff, you gotta do Danielson versus Gresham. You gotta do Danielson versus Zack Saber Jr. in New Japan. You of course gotta do Danielson versus Kenny Omega in AEW. I think you gotta do Danielson versus um, Will Ospreay in New Japan. Like there is so much, and there's other guys in Ring of Honor too that I've mentioned. Like I'd love to see um, Brian Danielson versus Tracy Williams or something like that. Like there's awesome, awesome stuff. After that, we had the new tag team champion. Oh, and Jonathan Gresham, by the way, got a win with a submission hold. It was like a leg lock thing. He does. He pretty much wins matches with a different submission every time. That's another thing I love about him. He doesn't just keep always going back to the same stuff to win matches. Like he'll he'll work a body part and eventually get you with with a, a hold that has to do with working that body part. After that, sorry, my phone's kind of been blowing up. Um, after that. We, uh, we had the second gear crew, the new tag team champions of Mance Warner, Matthew Justice, over the team of Ninja Mac and Dante Leone. Love this kind of stuff. Um, I talked a lot about second gear crew from, from night one, and I talked a bit about Ninja Mac and Dante Leone already as well. But I love Mac and Leone as a team, just because like, stylistically they're so similar. Uh, so yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to more out of out of all these guys. Like it's really amazing to me that Ninja Mac just came so out of nowhere last year. It's kind of same with Dante Leone. I think he's been doing more work in like kind of like the Texas area and like in like kind of the central you know U.S. and stuff. But he is a guy, and he has a unique look with like his purple hair and all that stuff, and his ring gear is different and whatnot. So like I I, I like that. And once I've said I've said it already, love SGC. After that, we had Chris Dickinson over Cesar Bononi. I thought this was probably the best Cesar Bononi match I've ever seen, but the uh, the crowd did not uh, did not accept Bononi. Uh, unfortunately for Bononi, uh, Chris Dickinson is one of the top guys in GCW. He's one of the top guys in Beyond Wrestling. He's just one of the top guys in just all of wrestling, independent wrestling in general. He's of course one half of the tag team champions in Ring of Honor with Homicide as a part of the Violence Unlimited stable. So Chris Dickinson is. I mean, he, if there's an indie wrestling totem pole, uh, Dickinson's like at the top of that totem pole as far as I'm concerned. There's others up there with him, but he's he's definitely one of those guys up there. Uh, Benoni, I had only really seen uh, kind of sporadically in NXT when I was still paying attention to NXT. 
And then we had, uh, you know, him in AEW now as a part of the wingmen with J.D. Drake and uh, Little Ziggler and um, and um, uh, Peter Avalon and those guys. It's like it's almost like a social outcast type group in AEW almost, which I I do not like the J.D. Drake that J.D. Drake is in that group by the way because that dude should just be like an ass kicking just badass wrestler, but. They have him doing this weird kind of comedy stuff. Don't think it really fits him that well. But I think J.D. Drake's fantastic in the ring. But Benoni, he, he, I think for the GCW crowd, he was just too, too WWE for them almost. Once again, I know he's an AEW, but I think that's kind of the perception of like when they saw him. And he didn't really have like, the match wasn't great, but it was the best I've seen him. Uh, but the fans, I don't know if I've ever heard GCW fans doing a don't come back chant. Like, it's almost always, please come back, please come back. They were saying, don't come back, don't come back. And it's like, that was pretty brutal. Uh, but yeah, Dickinson with the win. After that, we had Joey Janela over Atticus Kogar. This was a lot of fun. It's always great to see Joey Janela in GCW. He's like one of the main faces of that company. One of the first people I think of when I think of the GCW brand. And he is perennially over with every crowd there. Atticus I talked about earlier. Just the slimiest, most despicable dude in all of GCW outside of maybe uh, Ricky Shane Page and now maybe Matt Cardona. Um, But... Atticus, of course, he uses meat skewers, as he always does, the green skewers. Uh, But rather than just putting, you know, a bundle here, he wound up doing, like, one over here and one over here. And I think Janela had one up here, too. He had, like, three of these bundles of green meat skewers hanging out of his forehead, which was obviously really uh, brutal and disgusting looking. Janela got the win. What did he hit for the win? Because I remember him hitting an elbow drop at one point, but that didn't get it. Um, I think, it, you know what it was? It was the, um, it was the, they said, I wonder if there's a gif of it actually here. It was a, it was a suplex off the top through a plane, uh, they don't have, through plate glass. So it was actually very similar to this setup right here, which we saw from the Jimmy Lloyd versus, um, um, Trey, or sorry, not, not Trey Parker versus, um, Drew Parker, but it was like that, but it was through, it was a superplex off the top. And that's what I believe Janela got the win with on, uh, for that match. Awesome matchup. After that, we had Iron Beast, the team of Shane Mercer and KTB, defeating the team of Braden Lee and Cole Radrick. Talked about Braden and Shane a little bit earlier from night one. Uh, KTB, it was just good to see him on the show. I love the Iron Beast team. I love both those guys as singles wrestlers and as a tag team. Talked about Braden Lee a little bit earlier. Um, great high flyer and a ton of potential. Cole Radrick, honestly, one of my favorite wrestlers to watch from bell to bell. Um, I saw him live for the first time years ago. And th- I think he's probably the most improved professional wrestler in the world over probably the last like three years or so. Uh, he looks very unassuming. You see the dude and you're like, this guy's kind of small. He kind of looks like just an average Joe type guy. Um, but then that bell rings, and he is just he is just super impressive, and he's very innovative. Um, very cool move set, thinking outside the box. Part of the big Starks brand, BSB. Shout out to Billy Starks, of course. Shout out to Mouse, everyone over there. Um, you know Calvin Tateman, who was in the next match, also in the BC or sorry the BSB. Um, but yeah, Cole Radrick, 
this match wasn't very long. It was more so of a showcase of all the cool wild stuff that Iron Beast can do, like throwing people around. Like they threw uh, Cole Radrick into like the fourth row of seats. I mean, it was like just tossed it, just yeeted him, as the kids would say. Um, but I just love seeing that Cole got a spot on the show. Like anytime I can see Cole Radrick on a wrestling show, I am all for it. And he always adds to every show that he's on. After that, we had Calvin Tankman over Ruckus. This is just wild this match even happened. Like, the fact that Ruckus is still even out there doing his thing is pretty incredible. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he really innovated a lot of high-flying stuff back in, like, the early 2000s. A lot of, like, the... A lot of stuff that you normally see, like a moonsault or something, he would add twists to him, and he was doing stuff, like, off of his feet instead of going up to the top all the time and going off the apron. And he was doing a lot of that stuff in this match, too. Like, he had a shooting star press off the apron. And, um, and Calvin Tankman, one of the best in the world, in my opinion, and another guy similar to Cole Radrick that I've seen improve so much over the years. Uh, highly recommend checking out Calvin Tankman's work in MLW because he's been pushed pretty heavily there. I think his only loss in MLW is to the champion, Jacob Fatu. And I think Tankman, I, I don't say this lightly, I think Calvin Tankman has the potential to be one of the biggest stars in all of wrestling. I really do. Uh, the way that he's able to mix, the, the analogy I usually use is like, he can pick you up over his head and throw you over the top rope, or he can do a flip over the ropes and hit you. Like, he can do it all. He can do moonsaults off the top, and he's a big dude. And he got good striking also. He does a lot of the UWFI stuff, um, type type matches, um, you know, and like Paradigm Pro and stuff. So he has a really nasty, like, elbow to the back of the head that he uses. Has a nice Rikishi driver that he uses. And uh, he got a really good presence about him. Like, he's a dude, you see him, he looks believable. He looks like a dude who can kick ass. But he also has, like, a cool personality and a great move set and, and really goes for it. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of Calvin Tankman, so this was all great stuff. I believe Tankman got the win with the, the seated, um, like, basically what he does is he, he, he'll put you, like, you'll be on the ground and he'll kind of sit you up and he'll be behind you. And he'll just, Zack Sabre Jr. does something, or um, uh, not Zack Sabre, uh, Will Ospreay does something similar where you literally just run behind him and just bash him with like your like your elbow and forearm just right to the back of the head um so yeah huge shout out to Calvin Tankman and Ruckus that's a dream match right there like I think Tankman said it after the match he's like this is like one of the matches I wanted the most in my career so awesome to see after that we had Penelope Ford returning to GCW and defeating Alley Catch this was really solid um for people who don't get to see much uh, Penelope Ford outside of what she does on AEW like this proves like how talented she is Allie Catch in my opinion is one of the best female wrestlers in the whole world and she's always willing to to I mean I've seen her in death matches bleeding all over the place I've seen her in just straight up technical wrestling matches um, she's known as the heart and soul of Southern Underground Pro in Nashville um, she's I'm a huge fan of Allie Cat slash Allie Catch um, and Penelope Ford, this was this was honestly probably the best match I've seen of Penelope Ford. Um, Pre-AEW, I'd seen her wrestle a little bit, mainly from Beyond Wrestling, I believe. But she was mainly, to me, she was mainly like a valet for Joey Janela. And when I was watching her then, she was really starting to learn wrestling, it seemed like. And then in AEW, you just don't get to see her wrestle that often. 
she's improved a lot in my opinion i thought this match was really solid really solid there was a point in this where they couldn't break a uh, door too but that was that wasn't their fault that door was just stubborn as hell after that we had an absolute blood a bloodbath of a death match uh drew parker the new ultraviolet champion non-title match uh defeats jimmy lloyd uh, there was some stuff in this match that I literally just couldn't look at. Like, at, at one point, Drew Parker literally takes a... Or, sorry, Jimmy Lloyd literally takes um, two syringes, like, two actual, like, needles, syringe needles, and puts one through Parker's ear, just straight up pierces his ear, and then puts one through his nose, just straight up pierces his nose. Like, just right there on camera in the match. Like, Unreal. Unreal. Um, they did everything in this one too. Blood all over the place. Uh, Parker wound up getting the win after. Like I thought, Jamie Lloyd was gonna win. He hit a when he hit this right here. Actually, I think this might have been. It was either that or he hit a. Um, oh, this was nasty too in the Ninja Mac match. Check this out. This, boom. That actually. Uh, Ninja Mac needed to get his head uh, sewn together after that one. I saw some pictures uh, from backstage. But um, Jimmy Lloyd hit, I think he hit like the one-winged angel or something off of the top rope through glass. And I was like, oh, that's going to be it. Jimmy Lloyd's got this. And then Drew Parker kicked out at one. And I was like, oh, my God. Drew Parker is one million percent unbeatable at this point. Um, the end of the match was... Parker hits a powerbomb off a ladder through a, a through a plate of glass and then can't and he gets a two count so then he takes another plate of glass and puts it over Jimmy Lloyd and climbs to the top of the ladder and does a swanton from the top of the ladder through the glass through Jimmy Lloyd to get the win more absolute complete insanity but Drew Parker with the W and that was the main event but after the match Smart Mark Sterling comes out, who is the attorney uh, of Matt Cardona and Brian Myers and everyone involved at the, the major figure wrestling pod. And, um, of course, we see him on screen with Jade Cargill on uh, on AEW. He's her represent, representative and manager. Um, so Mark Sterling comes out, and this is what I don't know if people understand what, what this was. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying independentwrestling.tv use code FIGHTTALK, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K, all is one word, no space. Independentwrestling.tv or IWTV.live, that helps this podcast out a lot. I'm a huge fan of independentwrestling.tv. I'm on both sides of this. I'm a big GCW fan, I'm a big IWTV fan, and all the stuff that they put on their platform. The reason I bring all this up is because what this, what this segment was, for those of you who don't know, Mark Sterling is basically playing a character of a representative of what GCW is actually dealing with in real life with IWTV. So for those of you who don't know, last year, Game Changer Wrestling signed a contract with independentwrestling.tv to be exclusive to their streaming platform. And... They were killing it. Like, like there was a, a few months where, like, it was just GCW and IWTV, and everyone was happy. The fans were happy, and everything. And then they decided to do their Fight Forever show, which was like a twenty-four hour GCW show. And they might have done one before that too. I can't remember. Um, not a twenty-four hour, but another one during this time frame. But they were doing shows on YouTube for free, 
and IWTV was like, yo, like, you have a contract with us. You got to put your show on our platform. You can't just be doing free shows on YouTube because those are like, we're counting on people paying $10 a month for our subscription. And like your show is a part of that. Like a, a big draw for IWTV is GCW at this point. And for whatever reason, the sides can't get on the same page. So IWTV is currently suing GCW for $500,000. And that's why when Smart Mark was in the ring, he even referenced that. He said, I'm coming after you for $500,000. He used that exact same amount. And you can even hear it on commentary where they're going, "Mm, yeah, 500,000 seems to be the number that people are looking for. So that pulls the curtain back a little bit for those of you who might not have understood what all of this was. And of course, Mark Sterling is representing Matt Cardona. That's like the real story to like the to like the naked eye. But the underlying story there is he's actually kind of playing out the real life scenario that's going on right now between independentwrestling.tv and um, and GCW. So. Uh, there's a lot of layers to that, and as a fan, it's all very, very entertaining. Um, but once again, I'm on both sides. Like Fight TV hooks me up uh, often so that I can watch a lot of these shows and 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 cover them without you know losing an arm and a leg on you know having to buy everything. Like they they really really do great with with just hooking me up in general. So like I'm a huge Fight TV fan. I love watching uh, boxing and MMA and bare knuckle fighting and stuff on Fight TV and, and wrestling, of course. Um, and then, you know, of course, GCW, I'm a huge, huge fan, of, obviously. Um, but then I'm, I'm just as big of a fan of what they do for IWTV. And I mean, I've got a damn promo code on that platform myself. So like, I'm on both sides of this, but, but as just a fan, this is all very entertaining to watch play out. Um, now after, you know, Mark Sterling is, is, you know, talking all this trash, Nick Gage comes out, puts a little beating on him. Whips out the pizza cutter, gets Mark Sterling up in a, up in the position to to go for his forehead, and four four O's music hits, and it's Ricky Shane Page along with the rest of four four O, even though they were fighting the night before, and it all wound up being some big plan. They come out, they're gonna attack Gage, and then the second gear crew runs out. Oh, sorry, first Alice Cologne comes out for the save, and then the second gear crew comes out, and it's announced. In Chicago on September 4th, which I believe is all out weekend in Chicago, GCW is going to run a show the night before, I think. Let me double check. I think I think all out's like September 5th, right? Or wait, September, uh, let me just double check here. July, August. So September 5th is a Sunday. September 4th is a Saturday. I think all out's the four, the 5th and, um, on the Sunday. And then that the day before would be GCW, which also leads me to believe that we're going to get Nick Gage versus John Moxley on AEW All Out. I think. I think. I, th- I honestly think we're going to get that. Um, but the night before at GCW in Chicago, it's going to be the Second Gear Crew, Alex Cologne, and Nick Gage, and they're going to be known as the MDK Gang, taking on all the four four zero. I believe what it'll be is a uh, Ricky Shane Page, Atticus Kogar, Eric Ryan. The Bev, Eddie Only, and um, Gregory Iron, I believe, will probably be the team for 4-4-0. And then on Team MDK, you've got Nick Gage, Alex Cologne, Matthew Justice, Mance Warner, AJ Gray, 
and Effie, I think, will be the, the two sides of six. And it's going to be war games. Like, they're going to do a war games match with those 12 people, is, is what I believe the, the, it'll be those 12. That is complete insanity. They basically took, like, the GCW All-Stars and put them against 440, and this should be the final battle. Like, after this is over and the dust clears... I think Nick Gage needs to move on from the RSP and 440 story. And, and I'm sure at some point he'll get another another match with Matt Cardona. And I think we're going to be seeing more of him in AEW. I mean, I'm very interested to see him in Jericho this Wednesday on Dynamite. So that's going to do it for uh, for the, the live chat, y'all. I really appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate everyone who is here. If you had any last-minute Super Chats or donations, I will still address those after I talk about our sponsors. But I'm going to talk about the sponsors a little bit, and then I'm going to uh, sign off unless there's any Super Chats or donations to address. And as always, please make sure to hit that thumbs-up button. It really helps us out a lot. So, first sponsor I'm going to talk about is... We're going to... Actually, you know what? I'll get them up on the screen. Give me just a second here. Let me uh, me hide that for a second so that you'll don't see all my Facebook information because that wouldn't be good because probably not a good thing to have all my personal information on the internet. Uh, so as I'm getting these pulled up, just bear with me here. I just want to want to give uh, our sponsors their, their full value here and get them up on the screen so you can see all the good stuff they got going on. Bum, 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 bum. And I hope that y'all enjoy GCW as well if you watch the show. If not, I mean, I can't say, I can't recommend it enough. Like, jump on independentwrestling.tv and, uh, or sorry, jump on Fight TV and watch that. But also watch independentwrestling.tv. They got a lot of great stuff on there too. Live shows almost every weekend at this point. Sometimes multiple shows a weekend. Let me make sure I got everything pulled up here. All right, cool. So, sponsor time. Starting off with Music City Toys and Collectibles. They are the place to be for action figures, DVDs, magazines, anything that has to do with professional wrestling. They got you covered. They are nice people. They give you fair business. They do sales on their Facebook page, like live sales. It's awesome. Like You can go on there and Chad, the dude who runs Music City Toys, he'll be on there with his camera and showing you all their products and how much they cost. And it always includes the shipping price, like all bundled in. So like, if you see something and it says 10 bucks and you say, hey, I want that, it's only $10. There's no extra fees or anything. He messages you an invoice on PayPal. You just pay it through PayPal. They mail it right out to you. Super easy. And if you're in Tennessee or anywhere nearby, they have a retail location at 101 West Main Street in Watertown, Tennessee. That's W-A-T-E-R-T-O-W-N, Tennessee, 101 West Main Street. And uh, you can check out their actual physical location that doesn't have just wrestling stuff. They got MMA stuff. They've got like baseball stuff. They got like Power Rangers stuff. Uh, a bunch of different collectible type stuff. So support them because they support us. Um, check out their new website, musiccitytoys.biz. And then also make sure to follow them on all social media at musiccitytoys. A shout out to wrestlerumble.com, place to be for fantasy pick'em contests for professional wrestling. There's always a lot of big cash and prizes online for the pick'em contest, and they also, of course, do a lot of raffles. Right now, they are doing a a custom art contest, as you can see here on the screen. It's like a Seinfeld-inspired picture that's been drawn that has Randy Savage, The Rock, Steve Austin, and The Undertaker all together. And um, it's only $1 entry, so if you throw a dollar in the pot, 
you could win that custom artwork for only $1. So check it out. Make sure to follow WrestleRumble.com for, um, you know, to stay up to date with all of their contests. And I'm sure they'll have something really big going on for All Out because they're going to be at the show live. Uh, the people who run WrestleRumble. Shout out to my boy, Matt. And last but never least, Instagram. Follow Brian Jensen at BoxingATL, B-O-X-I-N-G-A-T-L. He is my brother. He is a owner of Steel Boxing and Athletics in Atlanta, Georgia. And he can help you reach your goals. If you want to learn how to throw hands, get in better shape, learn self-defense. If you want to compete at an amateur or pro level in MMA, boxing, kickboxing, really any combat sport, Brian can help you with that. Or if you have any kind of neurological issue like Parkinson's, MS, dystonia, anything that has to do with anything neurological, Brian's 100% certified in all of that as well. So it doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter like what size you are, doesn't matter what your skill level is or your your endurance level or your conditioning or whatever. Like Brian can specifically help you with what you need help with. So if you're in the Atlanta, Georgia area, you can go to his gym. He can meet you at your business. He can meet you in a park. It doesn't matter. He'll get it done. And if you're anywhere else in the world, he can help you through Zoom calls, Skype meetings, all that stuff. But the best way to set up appointments and get in touch with Brian is to hit him up on Instagram at BoxingATL, B-O-X-I-N-G-A-T-L. And lastly, just before I get out of here, um, I just want to throw this out there. I know most of the people have already left um, the live chat, but this will go on the audio feed as well. Um, I want to dedicate this entire show to my friend Derek Thornberry who passed away two days ago. Um, he was only a year older than me, so he was like 34. And um, his brother is one of my best friends in the world, Jason. And it's uh, it's really tough. It's really sad. And I, uh, I've been having to kind of get myself up, you know, a little bit the last couple of days as far as like being really bummed out and like, you know, talking to my buddies and, it's a really sad way to get back in touch with a lot of people, but that's been really the only silver lining of it at all is like me and my buddies from like that. We've known each other forever. We don't stay in touch that well. And, um, it sucks that it's a reason like this, but when Derek passed away, it's like me and all my buddies are in touch and we're, we're trying to get together and, and, you know, it's just, you got to appreciate people while they're around. It's, it's a real bummer. So, you know, rest in peace to Derek Thornberry. I'm thinking of you, Jason, and your whole family. Your family's been nothing but cool to me always. And Derek was a great dude, a guy who I hung out with a lot in college. And uh, it's just really, really damn sad uh, to see a friend uh, pass away, especially so young. So um, I just wanted to say that before we got out of here. Uh, rest in peace to Derek Thornberry. My thoughts are with the Thornberry family. And with that said, I will uh, be back here soon. Me and Jesse will most likely be here on Saturday morning unless uh, something comes up on my end most likely, which is possible. Um, We'll see, but most likely we'll be around on Saturday. That all being said, y'all have a good one. Enjoy uh, enjoy your week, and um, yeah, enjoy some pro wrestling. See ya.